Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. We will go live. And we are live. Here we are. Episode one of Fightful.com's MMA industry podcast. I'm your host, James Lynch. A little bit of a, a role reversal today because normally Sean Rosh Sapp is the one who leads, uh, leads the charge on, on these podcasts. But today, Sean's actually going to be my guest. Um, for those who are tuning in uh, for the very first time um, and, and you know, for those who are just checking this out, uh, this is the inaugural episode of the MMA industry podcast. That The goal here is to talk about the industry as a whole. Uh, you know, Sean, there's a lot of podcasts out there that uh, cover MMA and do a great job including the ones you'll see here on fightful but uh, we wanted to give you a little little bit of something different and talk about the media side of things so i thought with this being on fightful the guy we had to get for this was sean rotsaf managing editor so sean i gotta ask how are you doing today it's funny because when you and i were off the air like uh, last week or the week before i was like man i would love to do this show about wrestling media and stuff and you're like i had the same idea with mma media yeah <laughs> Yeah. So it, it's it's very I'm I'm very happy that we're able to do this at fightful.com and I'm excited to see who you who all you bring on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We're going to just sort of play it by ear and see where this thing grows. But uh, it's it's a podcast idea I've wanted to do for a while. And now that I've had a, a good platform and, and, you know, the time to actually do it, it's uh, it's actually working out pretty well. But here's where I'm going to start first, Sean. So um one of the things I wanted to do when I get guests on this podcast is talk about how we, we sort of met. Um, and uh, you're not going to remember this, but I, I have uh, I have one of these memories where it's like, if I could actually put the memory to good use, I could have been like, you know, a doctor or something like really like important. But uh, instead, my memory just goes to useless information. And here's a useful bit of information of the first time I ever remember actually talking to you or interacting with you. Okay, so we're going to go back here. UFC Fight Night 37. Okay, Melvin Gillard loses to Michael Johnson. He's released from the UFC. Now, you and I, I knew, I knew about you. I mean, I knew that, you know, you were doing the wrestling stuff because I, I think we followed some of the same. I think at this point we weren't actually following each other on Twitter. But uh, I made a comment saying basically that I thought, you know, even though Melvin didn't have a great showing in the fight, I thought this is a good move for him. You know, he'll move on to greater pastures outside the UFC. And you completely disagreed with me. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but we actually got into it a little bit. And you said that the UFC made a huge mistake letting Melvin Glard go. Do you remember this at all, first off? Well, I was wrong about that. I'll say that as much. <laughs> But I was a Melvin Gillard fan. I loved the way that he fought. I thought that uh, 
I remember watching the, the Evan Dunham fight, and I was like, on that night, I don't care who was in the cage with Melvin Gillard. He was beating them. That's just how he looked. Yeah. Uh, I was a fan of his footwork and his boxing to the point that one of my cats' his name is Melvin. Like, we named a cat after him, but yeah. I don't remember that at all. Wow. Yeah, so that, that, and I, for some reason, I just remember that for some reason. I never, like, held it against you. I mean, obviously, we've, you know, we, we've talked a lot since, and, uh, you know, we've definitely, uh, you know, chatted here and there. And actually, for those who, you know, just want to make sure this isn't, like, a totally, like, kind of, uh, you know, social media relationship, Sean and I have actually met in person. Uh, we had a, uh, we had a pretty good chat when you were here in Toronto. Uh, you stopped by for, um, uh, Jimmy had, had flown you out, and you were uh, kind of, you know, checking out Toronto and doing, uh, you know, the, the Ya Boy and, and the List podcast uh, live in Toronto. So we actually met, had, uh, you know, had, had some nice dinner and just talked about the industry. So it's kind of like we're rehashing that conversation uh, with this, but we, we get a whole hour to do it. And uh, the thing I like about you, Sean, is that, you know, you're, you're kind of unique. I mean, it's one thing to, to work in the industry, you know, full time, but you, you do it with uh, mixed martial arts and with wrestling. And uh, that, that's kind of, uh, kind of a rare breed. I mean, someone like Dave Meltzer comes to mind who sort of does both. Um, but I don't think you see too many people do this full time with, with both. Um, I got to start from the beginning, though. Where, what came first? Was it, you know, being a fan of pro wrestling or was it mixed martial arts? How did the, the birth of, of what is Sean Ross Sapp come, come to be? It was pro wrestling. I, I've tried to pinpoint the match. I've had David Dixon's fan try to help me figure it out. And I think it was like Great Muta and Ric Flair and some sort of cage match. I just remember Ric Flair and somebody with a painted face climbing up a cage. And I, I, I sw- or put that on my TV at my grandmother's house and I fell in love with wrestling. And I've been a fan of it ever since and then later got into covering it. But that's what I remember. UFC, I first became a UFC fan. Uh, I think I even told you off the air yesterday. UFC 5, I accidentally uh, rented a tape at like 10 years old, uh, again, at my grandmother's house. I thought Big John Hess was the baddest dude in the world. <laughs> yeah. little, little did I know that a year later he would get murked by Vitor Belfort. But I saw him. And back then the rule set was much differently. And I was like – Who's going to beat this guy? Well, so as it turns out, so somebody good could. I was going to say, so you're an old OG fan because, uh, you know, there's this weird thing in the industry, uh, you know, just with from from sort of a fan perspective, not a media perspective, but that, that people take it like a badge of honor if they've like watched the sport since the beginning. And like, you know, now now that's sort of, you know, before it was like, oh, now you're like a tough noob. You only liked it when, you know, the Ultimate Fighter came on. And now it's you're a McGregor noob, you know, like it's sort of transitioned from that. But I can definitely appreciate someone who's like watched it since the VHS tape days. There's something uh, kind of neat about that, you know, because you've kind of seen it grow from from where it was, uh, you know kind of basically being like almost like uh like blacklisted to some degree i mean it wasn't uh you know as readily available to to where it is now so i think that's uh that's very interesting um do you remember the first article or blog or anything you ever did that was remotely related to to working in the media do do we have to go really down memory lane for that one yeah i i do remember it was uh bill after's one wrestling.com and and to specify i wasn't a fan all the way through i watched like a tank abbott pay-per-view highlight and then later, uh, my cousin introduced me to Pride, which had a bunch of pro wrestling style stuff. And I was like, that's cool. But I'll, I'll, I specifically remember uh, one wrestling. It was January 4, 2010. I had pitched an idea to Bill After because I was falling out of love with pro wrestling. I was really falling in love with MMA. I had been training and, and doing all that. And I had pitched him the idea of a column uh, that where if I just wasn't into it, by WrestleMania, I was going to give up pro wrestling. I don't know if I really ever had the desire to really abandon watching pro wrestling, but it was an interesting time. TNA Wrestling was on Monday nights at that point. They had Hulk Hogan come in. They had uh, Eric Bischoff come in. 
and WWE was bringing back Bret Hart for the first time in I think 13 years. So that day that I that I did my first column, that was really my introduction. And it was something that I always in the back of my mind wanted to do, but I feel like I was maybe afraid of the failure. I, I did it. I I put it off for so long because I did nothing in my in my early 20s. But I think I put it off so long because in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, that's a possibility if I want to do it, if I want to do it. Really, I think I was afraid of rejection, failure, and things like that. And that was the first step that I took. And Bill Apter was a guy that I always wanted to write for because – you know, I, I wouldn't say that I grew up in a conservative house or anything, but my I was wrestling was kind of frowned upon. So right. I would have to keep up with it through the magazines, and Bill After wrote for those magazines. So I really wanted to just say that I was able to write for that guy who was so influential to me as a child. Now, in terms of schooling, did you go to like journalism school or anything like that? Or are you just an, an OG guy that just, you know, just started to learn how to write on, on your own, basically? So, right. Actually, I started to go to school about a year after that. Uh, when that column ran its course, I took a couple months off. I, I was working at a GNC before that. And, uh, yeah, I liked it because I was training MMA. I got discounts on supplements. I thought I was going to be an MMA fighter. And I was like 24, 25. And then these 17, 18-year-olds started to come in. And I was like, oh, wait, they're already really good, and I can't keep up. And I, even at that time, 2009, 2010, I thought I was too small to do professional wrestling and too old to do professional wrestling. And I don't know that my body could have kept up with it, but I kept training anyway. But then when I, I kind of let GNC know that I didn't want to be a manager, they were like, well, we don't have any use for you. We're in the We, we want to get managers produced out of this store. So I was like, I need to do something else. I'm going to make a run at this. And uh, I went to Moorhead State University, which NBA fans will know is uh, the alma mater of Kenneth Fareed of the Denver Nuggets. But Oh, no way. Okay, yeah, cool. It's about 40, 45 minutes from, from my house. And I'll say this. I spent way too much money on college. You should never <laughs> spend as much as I spent. But I never realized how much that I really learned from college until years later. And I would see things that I wrote before, and I was like, "Oh man, that's bad. That's bad. That's bad." Yeah. So uh, I, I, it was it was very important to me to to learn that, and I was very fortunate because it's paid off dividends since then. Because the way that media is changing now, they don't want to just teach you how to write; they want to teach you how to design the web page that it's on, how to do the graphics, how to Photoshop things, how to run a camera, how to act on camera, how to uh, where where to place your mic, like a lot of things. Like when I was there, it started off as journalism. The next semester, they changed it to multimedia journalism. By the time I was gone, and I never graduated, I, I got a full-time job before I, I graduated, it had switched to convergent media. So uh, I definitely applaud Moorhead State University for adapting with the times, but uh, not for how much they charge for college. Yeah, I, I had I, I spent a lot as well. I went to uh, I mean I don't know how in Canada I believe that the tuition fees are a lot lower, but uh, I went to university and then I went to college after. So and and for me it was like I realized partway through my pro I was in a, a communications major and partway through my program I realized this is all theory and I have no interest in this. Like I always wanted to be a broadcaster, so that's where I was kind of like I got to switch gears. And so I actually ended up doing I think five years of school and I ended up with a with a I still ended up with a degree. It was just a condensed one, and then I got a diploma from college as well 
well in like television broadcasting or something. So I, the reason I ask is because I, I think it's interesting because I, there, there are, you know, a lot of people who cover this sport that don't have, you know, a journalism yeah. background or anything like that. And, you know, there is no really like any sort of right and wrong answer to that. Um, I think as long as you're learning and you have, you know, uh, people that are, you know, that, that are very well respected that are, you know, giving you good feedback, I think that's a way that you can really evolve. And I don't think you necessarily need to go through that whole, because, you know, like you said, everything changes agree. so quickly. I agree. And uh, it taught me some very valuable things. I think I spent five or six years in school, but I was part-time for a significant amount of that because I was actively working, trying to to gain my way. And I did a lot of free work. I did a lot of uh, sponsored work. I did a lot of ghost writing, like articles and stuff where you would see it under like website staff or something like that because yeah. some of the stuff flat out I didn't want my name on there like uh like I would take freelance gigs to do like entertainment articles and things like that also yeah 10 years before or before well not 10 years it was like four or five years before I went to a community college and majored in communications and it just it just wasn't my thing so yeah um and you know on both sides of my family I have an aunt who was a freelance writer that I lived with and I saw acceptance, rejection, success, failure, and, and that degree. And on the other side of my family, I have an aunt who was into radio and communications, like virtually every facet of that. So I had some good, good influences there. But uh, college for me, I think was important because a lot of that period for me was trying my best to gain credibility, whether it was going to school, whether it was training, whether it was – I was taking free jobs everywhere. I did commentary for free for MMA promotions uh, which has led to me being paid to do it. I managed a fight team. I would help manage the local gym a little bit. I would teach kickboxing classes. I would do anything that I could to advance myself a little bit to gain whatever kind of experience I could that would lend to this in MMA or pro wrestling. Yeah, and, and I, I can totally relate to that. And, and one of these days, I'll get on this podcast and sort of tell my, my story or whatever. And I'll just, I figure in the meantime, I'll just throw in little tidbits here. But uh, when I worked at Fight Network, uh, this was 2008. Um, I just, I'd moved to Toronto maybe like a couple months before that. And, um, you know, Fight Network, uh, Loved, loved working there. I just, we did not get paid great. So what I ended up mm -hmm. doing was to make up for that because living in Toronto, as you know, very expensive. Very. I had to, uh, I was working at Good Life Fitness, which is like a huge fitness chain out here. And I was working customer service. So I was working, I think at one point I was almost working seven days a week. I was working, I know I was working at least six uh, for a while there. I think I had Saturdays off and then Sundays I would take the extra day at Fight Network. And, uh, and then in the mean, in between that, I was working at Good Life Fitness. But the thing is like, you want to make it work. So you just, you make it work, right? Like it doesn't matter. Like I always thought like, you know, I had to like fold towels and, uh, you know, answer customer calls and everything like that. And, uh, but, but I knew that, you know, I was doing this just so I was able to, to work, you know, at Fight Network and do a lot of cool stuff. And, and, you know, I, a lot of what I owe the success I have to now is, is what I was able to do at Fight Network early on in my career. I kind of had, you know, the, the luck of that because really at that time, um, and, and even now, I mean, there isn't really a 24 hour, uh, combat sports channel. I mean, it's sort yeah. of unique for, for the television world. I mean, you have UFC fight pass, but I mean, they were sort of ahead of the curve when, when they were founded in, I believe 2005. So, uh, that was kind of neat. I got to experience that, but anyways, uh, we're here to talk to you, not to me. Um, the, do you remember the first event you ever covered, uh, whether it was wrestling or, uh, well, let's just start first. What was the first wrestling event you ever covered? Gosh, it's, it's actually hard for me to remember. Um, because I do so much of my work remotely. Yeah, actually, I think it was um, it was just a local independent show in Aberdeen where I would go on to wrestle, actually, which is kind of cool. But Al Snow was there and I knew that Al Snow had a good relationship with Bill Apter. 
And I thought maybe I can go cover this show and interview him. And I did. You can find it online. And back then, I was cutting weight uh, to make weight for grappling tournaments back then. Like today, I'm 32 years old and 185 pounds. Back then, I was in my mid-20s trying to make 149.9 was the limit. And that was like I was so small. Like his arm then was like the size of my torso. And I remember that uh, I had, who is now my tag team partner and wrestling coach, Jay Grooms, he held like a little flip cam for me while I interviewed Al Snow and it caught all the outside audio and everything. So you could hear people walking by and all that stuff. And it just wasn't good, but it was, it it helped. And being able to go to events like that and say, I work for Bill Apter, everybody knows him. And if anybody doesn't know him, they want they at least respect him and want, are willing to give me an opportunity and stuff. And I mean, I think that's a lot of what helps get bill guys in general. Cause he's, he's not paying them and stuff because when I was doing that, I was, like I said, expect accepting sponsor slots for my articles and placed ads and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that was, that was the first thing I ever covered there, but so much of what I do is remote that fortunately I don't have to do a ton of that. And Wrestling is so different from MMA because they're not like, hey, here, we're doing a press conference afterwards or a scrum before. Only yeah. special events do they do that. Yeah. Yeah, it is different. We actually talked about this uh, yesterday on the podcast about how they're sort of, uh, you know, how, how the, the coverage of it is, is a bit different. And you mentioned that example there with the press conferences. What about mixed martial arts? When was the, have, have you, you know, do you remember the first show you ever covered, you know, maybe for like a, like a local site or anything like that? Uh, does that come to mind at all? I think it was an absolute action MMA event, which was also very uh, crucial to me. And that was a place that Brad, like Tommy Hayden, Jessamyn Duke, Sean Asher, there was there was like this this swelling of talent in northern Kentucky that kind of happened. And some of my fighters would fight there too. And so I started to cover their events and uh, a couple others locally. But that's actually where I met Jessamyn Duke and uh, – now she's involved in pro wrestling, but I made a lot of connections there. That was, that was very cool. I, I, because of absolute action MMA and the people that I know through that, uh, it would lead me to, uh, knowing people from OVW from WWE. I met King Mo at one of those events because when he was training to be a pro wrestler, he actually drove down with a bunch of wrestlers and they took in an event. So I was able to talk and meet, meet him there. But yeah, I think it was just absolute action MMA. It was probably right across the river from Cincinnati because MMA and amateur MMA in Ohio is basically kickboxing and wrestling with pads on. And Kentucky is a little more liberal about things. So that's why they have so many events there. But it got to the point to where at the end of AMMA's run, I was calling their fights. So it was kind of cool to go from covering it to working for them and getting paid to do so. And what would you say was one of your biggest challenges early on? Was it just you didn't know what the future was going to hold? I mean, I guess initially when you did this, you didn't know if it was going to turn into what it's turned into now, which is your career. Um, did you sort of look back and think of any of those early struggles maybe you had when you were starting out? It's weird to look back now because like, I wasn't getting paid a lot. And like I said, I was making money off of kickbox or teaching kickboxing and uh, all these other different things. And I do remember that at the beginning of 2014, I said to myself, I'm making this my full-time job by the end of the year, or I'm not doing it anymore. And that was a really naive, self-imposed deadline. It worked, but it was very naive. I went from fan-sided to, 
what culture to rant sports to wrestling Inc where I ended up really gaining most of my following and, and my notoriety before fightful. But yeah, the, the, the early times you have to have the right situation. I live in a very, very cheap place. Like my house is cheap. It's, it's a nice big house, but it's an old house. So it's very, very cheap for me to live in me and my wife to live in. Uh, I was able to make it work on, on grants and student loans and, my other jobs and like I said the aforementioned freelance work so it, it was okay but you know eventually those student loans add up and you know I got a ton of money that I owe now but looking back I'm glad that I did it because it helped facilitate the situation that I was in it, it was it was slim pickings back then and it was rough like checking your bank account before you order pizza type of stuff yeah and making sure you have enough in there but yeah, I do. I do remember. And it was, it was, it was difficult, like more so than I can probably remember because I, I have such tunnel vision about Fightful and I work every day here now, but it is tough. And a lot of times like the way to do it is to work for free. And the way that I put it is I would never ask somebody to work for free, but if they offered it, I probably wouldn't turn it down if they were good because that's, and I used to be like, oh, don't do free work. Don't do free work. You got to do free work. That's that's yeah. just the unfortunate reality of the situation is that to prove yourself early on, you have to be willing to show that you can produce. And like it's it's hard because we pay we pay. I know that we pay our writers more than I have been paid at other places. And that's that's something that Jimmy Van wanted to do as it pertained to morale, because you get what you pay for type of thing now. Yeah. When you're, you can tell who's hungry based on who's willing to write for free. I just hate the idea of doing that because, you know, I, I went yeah. through that and it sucked, but it's an unfortunate reality. It, it is. Um, and we'll definitely touch on that later because uh, there is a point in this uh, where I want to talk about sort of maybe some advice or some tips that, that you have sort of, uh, you know, things that you've learned in the industry that you would kind of want to give other people. Because I there's like a million things that I see on a daily basis where I'm like, you know what? Like I, yes. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, so th those those are things there. Um, you brought up your wife. Uh, you're married, like like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, how tough was that? Uh, you know, chasing this dream while also convincing your significant other that <laughs> you know, like, how much did this impact your social life? Because I know you're putting all this time in, and uh, you know, how, like like how how are you able to uh, balance both? Well, in my younger years, when I wasn't doing anything, I was a bit of a social butterfly. Not so much now, but that just comes with getting older. Yeah. Fortunately for me, so many of my friends are people that I trained with anyway. Mm -hmm. So like if if I'm hanging out with a Jay Grooms or a Dylan Cornette or a Brandon McLeese, who you all will see on my Twitter, I've got one of my tag team partners and a catch wrestling coach. I have a strength and conditioning guy and I have a long uh, a Billy Robinson certified catch wrestler. So like I'm it's it almost feels like I'm working while I'm socializing because I get to learn stuff from them as well. My wife, it wasn't difficult at all. It was financially, mm -hmm. but she was like, do it. I know you can do it. Let's go. She was 100% supportive. And that facilitated what we have going now. Like she's going to school part-time and uh, working part-time now because when I was able to lean on her, that now allows her to lean on me. And now she wants to become a special education teacher. That was that was her her motivation that was her passion because here in kentucky we have a lot of elderly it seems like everybody gets into the medical field it's just what you do out here yeah and i'm sure she would have excelled at that and done well but she didn't she didn't like it she didn't like doing that and i 
when when I landed with Fightful, I had a talk with her. I was like, you have to do something that you like. You have to do what I'm doing. And if you have to lean on me a lot to be able to do that, we'll make it happen. I can make it happen right now. So her being supportive uh, paid off for me, and it's paying off for her. So I couldn't have been luckier in that regard. And that's something, as you know, Joe, or James, you have to have. Yeah, you, you have can. to have the support of uh, whoever you're you're locked in there with or else it might not work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause I think for people who want to cover this and they, they really want to make a run at it. And uh, I think you have to, you have to have those times where you're not, you're not going to have like a nine to five. You're not going to have like, you, you have, you, you're going to have times when you're going to be up late. You're going to have times when you're going to have to cancel plans with your friends. I mean, if, if, if you want to make a run at this, if you want to do this as a, you know, a nice hobby on the side, you can absolutely, I'm sure work, mm -hmm. you know, around a certain schedule, do like an article a week, you know, whatever. I mean, wh whatever you can manage, however much you like the sport, however much you want to be involved. But there is, I've had many of discussions, many uh, negotiations, let's put it that way too, with my, my wife and, uh, you know, back when she was my girlfriend even where, you know, I would have to say, hey, listen, I have to watch this fight tonight. I've had family dinners where I've had to say, look, I got to leave early because I got to go watch this because I got to go write something. Up. You know, like it's these are these are sacrifices you have to make. But it's the reality of if you want to sort of go to that next level, um, you know, just quickly as well. Uh, you know, the last basically two, three years, I you know, I was working a full time job and doing all this on the side. And you know how much work I was doing. So oh, yeah. there, there, there was, you know, there was a lot of negotiation with that where it's like, you know, I have to pick and choose. You know, I, a lot of times I wouldn't get to see a lot of my friends friends but I really like doing it so it's like for me it was like I was getting enjoyment out of it so it didn't matter that much that I was cutting into my social time but it was still something where it's like yeah I look back and I'm like yeah I kind of wish I could have you know saw my friends a bit more but that, that's what you have to do to sort of uh to make it work so, so I'm glad it's you know it's worked out with you and that you know uh that, that she sort of understands what you're doing and now you're sort of uh, returning the favor which I, I think is uh really awesome um how long have you been doing this full time you mentioned the freelancing was it you said 2014 right if I heard you yeah, 2014, I started with Fansided, and what they did there is they had like a news desk situation. You would go four hours, and they would have you write at least 12 articles, which is wow. a little irresponsible. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to say that first off. And I left there for What Culture. What Culture, after I wrote them, wrote for them for a little while, offered me uh, full-time as their news guy. That changed immediately, and you know, I was almost in tears getting a full-time job halfway through that year and it was for me pretty good money uh at the time especially and myself and david bixon's fan have a podcast that i released in full that people can check out that mess of a story but that was a mess and right. they messed with me mentally to make it make me think that the reason why their aggressive united states expansion didn't work because of my work or because of my editor's work that wasn't the case they 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 just jumped in too far. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, where, what can I do? I worked for rant sports in the interim and it was just it convoluted back end and hard to, hard to work. I was like, I want to do this full time and I want to do it for as big of a website as I possibly can. So, um, I'd been courted by a couple of places, which kind of surprised me at that point because I had been made to think that my writing was so bad that nobody would want me because of my right. culture. And I had all these sites like, after me and I, I landed with wrestling Inc and the first few months it was just like, kind of like, I remember I covered SmackDown and I would do news stories here and there. They have a guy named Mark Middleton and he is like, he, he aggregates a lot of stuff, which is a necessary, it, I don't want to say necessary evil. It is necessary in today's news landscape. Everybody does it. Yahoo news does it. Every 
everybody aggregates. And people look at that and they see his name and they're like, oh, he's just copying and pasting. He doesn't do anything. No, he works so hard and he works every single day and he covers everything. And there's like, I would be like, man, there's nothing for me to cover. How am I going to do this and make any money? And then I looked at, well, what, what isn't he covering? What yeah. isn't, what is there in the wrestling world? Because I knew that Raj, who ran the site, he wanted as much mainstream, like he wanted a full, complete site. And that's the mentality I take now. So I looked and I was like, okay, he's not covering New Japan. And they just got a pay-per-view deal at that point. Uh, not covering Ring of Honor, which was making waves and getting on Destination America. He doesn't cover all of TNA wrestling. Uh, he doesn't do the MMA stuff because we would post like one MMA story a day and uh, we would cover the pay-per-views live. And I was like, I'll do all that. Who updates the photos and videos? I'll do that. Who does social media? I'll do that. Uh, who updates the, who, who edits the videos? I'll do that too. Anything that I could. Who moderates comments? Sign me up for that too. Then uh, in the middle of 2015, myself and David Bixenspan started to do a podcast it was probably about a month or two before that because of how cheap it is to live where I live. I was probably full time, but I had to embrace doing everything at that website to do so, which gave me a crash course in learning how to run a website, which was very good. It was, it was a blessing. Interesting. And, and do you, do you feel like, um, you know, as, as this is all happening and everything's going on and, you know, there's all these changes and stuff, like, was there ever a point when you're like, maybe I want to get out of this or are you just still staying the course and you're just like, you know what, I'll get through this no matter what happens. You know, I, I, you know, I guess, you know, getting those offers, I'm sure that gave you some confidence knowing, Hey, I belong here. Like no matter what happens, I'm going to continue going. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. I mean, there are always those nights like across any job I've ever had where I'm like, I don't want to do this ever again. Maybe I can just <laughs> quit and do something else, yeah. but I've never, ever, ever seriously considered it. I would work yeah. I would work 60 hours a week at Fightful until I was 80 if I could. Like that's that's yeah. just – it's what I like to do. My hobby is my job and my job is my hobby. Like yeah. it's – I love to do it and when I'm not doing it, I think about doing it. So that's that's just – that's a situation I'm in. Very, very lucky. Yeah, and I think one thing you also talked about, you know, was how when you you wanted to do multiple things at, at a site, and you know, some people, you know, hearing that are like, well, why do you want to give yourself so much work? I mean, at the end of the day, if you can become more valuable to a site, if you can say, I'm not just a writer, I'm a guy who does, you know, moderates comments, I can do this and that. Like, I see people going on social media saying, hey, hire me as a social media guy. Like, I just don't think that's, you know, how many people can do social media? Like, it's not like rocket science. It's like, it's, you know, what it reminds me of is like back on a resume when someone would put skills, Microsoft Word. You know, like it's almost the equivalent of that in some ways. Like, I just think that you have to be, in my opinion, I think, you know, some people can get hired being really good at one specific thing, but I think the best bet for long-term sur survival is to be able to do everything. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you quickly of a, a coworker I had and someone that, uh, you know, I still talk to on a regular basis is Robin Black. And I remember when Robin mm -hmm. started at Fight Network, I was there. I started at Fight Network before Robin did, actually. I remember his first day on air. I remember Robin... I mean, he could do, you know, he, the on-air thing for whatever reason was not, uh, you know, a smooth transition for him. He, he had done some stuff before at Much Music, but then when he came over to Fight Network, um, you know, I, I think he'd even admit it was, you know, wasn't going according to plan. And to see where he is now, where he's kind of evolved from that. And I, I know now, you know, he's, he knows how to, you know, gather footage, he knows how to put stuff together. And of course, now we know him as the breakdown guy. But that, Robin was so far from that when he first started that, mm -hmm. you know, you wouldn't even recognize him. And I think that's the key thing is that, you know, as you're going in your career, you have to evolve, you have to 
find ways to sort of become more valuable because you never know when those skills will end up benefiting you. Um, we, we had a guy, we have a guy, Kyler James, who does our social media now, and he's, he's kind of learning on the job and stuff, but he was saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards, find your style with Patriot lighting, exterior lights, enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So dedicated to promoting Fightful and doing all this stuff and tweeting about the shows, I was like, yeah, we can get work for him. And for people who are looking for just social media work, you better be able to keep up with like the flying Brian Jays and the Justin Golightly's, people who separate themselves from everybody else. Because if you're just going to be out there and tweet, man, that was cool. I mean, okay, I can do that. I can do that. But when you've got somebody like Justin Golightly who's going to create literal art to support his social media you you got an uphill battle to compete with a guy like that yeah you certainly do and and on that same note um do you do you struggle at all with you know i'm sure now you're you're getting i mean i see your follower count i see you know the notoriety you get i mean uh you know is is it tough at all when you have you know the trolls and and the people out there you know getting on you like do you do you struggle with that at all when it comes to you know dealing with that because i think you know one thing i always keep in mind is like you know just don't don't acknowledge it because if you do, unless you make a mistake, you know, if you, you screw yeah. up on something, you want to own up to it. That's one thing. But I see guys on there a lot where, you know, guys, journalists, I should say that, you know, we'll, we'll talk back to someone and it's like, it's just, it's, I, I'm always mindful of that. It, how do you sort of deal with that with the social media backlash and things like that? I am a troll at heart. I yeah. love to eviscerate people. I do. Um, I've told a story about how kind of, I used to kind of pick Justin Labar who works for wrestling Inc. now I used to work at WrestleZone. And he reached out to me and he's like, man, what's the beef? I like your work. And that changed my outlook. Mm-hmm. Unless they, and it, I think it was Bill after that told me if they don't know you personally, don't take it personal. Yeah. Like, okay. That's, that's a good point. And I used to address it. And then Jimmy Van was like, just don't. So I, I rarely <laughs> do unless I have like something funny to say back, like just, just an offhand comment and stuff. Cause we, we, you know, when we deal with wrestling, we're talking about subjective entertainment by and large. And I could think that a match is the greatest thing of all time. And somebody else could say, no, that was stupid. I hate it. So these days I just, I don't really pay any attention to anything like that because people will come out of the woodwork and like people think I hate my old bosses and stuff like that. And think that like we're battling behind the scenes. Like it's, it's weird. Some of the assumptions people come to. Yeah, I just usually I let the commenters in my own chat deal with it because they don't last much longer once those guys get a hold of them. 
Yeah, that's the key thing you brought up there is, uh, you know, if you are going to respond, you know, say something funny. So at least it rolls off your back and then you also get the credit of, you know, yeah. seeing you, you know, verbally destroy someone else, uh, which is always nice. Um, one thing we haven't talked about here, and you, maybe you have a little bit, but uh, mentors, like you, you mentioned early on, you know, sort of uh, some of the people that, that helped you out. Um, do you still have like mentors? Are there people that you still go to, like as sort of go-to people when it comes to whether it's, you know, writing or, or decisions or things like that in this industry? Well, a lot of people thought it would be Bill After, and he was instrumental. He helped me get the job at Fightful, but I wouldn't say that he mentored me. He didn't give me a lot of tips. Raj Geary gave me a crash course in how to run a wrestling website. Okay. And he would give me instruction, and I would be like, what an ass, what an ass, what an ass. And now that I have to give that instruction to other people, I'm thinking, man, I'm an ass. But now I see what I got to do. I see what I see what he was doing. Um Brett Dawson, who covers the Oklahoma City Thunder, was very instrumental. He befriended me when I was in college, and he covered Kentucky sports. And I'm a Kentucky sports fanatic, and I think he was the best best at covering Kentucky sports, period. And just ha- it wasn't like him giving me necessarily technical tips, just having a guy who was so well-known in this area being nice to me and taking an interest in what I was doing – and saying, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Not saying, oh, that MMA, it's so barbaric. And I had a person from my local newspaper say, oh, pro wrestling, huh? Who knew? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sorry. I don't want to go cover Augusta Girls Middle School Golf at <laughs> 630 on a Wednesday afternoon. Because I had people that tried to get me to work there and wanted me to to try to work there. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be – I don't want to cover – high school volleyball on a Thursday evening when I could be covering something that's happening in the UFC and be much happier. Um, My aunts, they, they helped me out a a lot. The one in communications and the one in freelance writing, but yeah, I would say definitely uh, Raj helped me so much at wrestling Inc. And I maintain a a healthy relationship with him. Like a friendship will talk once a month or something just like, Hey, hi, how you doing? Uh, Jimmy van has helped me out immensely. Like, we bust each other's balls on that Wednesday show a ton, but I didn't realize how little I knew about some of the business aspects of this until I got with a guy who had succeeded in business and how he deals with people on a personal level sometimes. Like I went to Toronto and I was like, man, every single person that works for him looks like they couldn't be happier than to work for him. And I was like, man, that's that's how I want my people to be. Don't know if that's the case, but that that's that's the type of thing I want. So it's more like influences that I take from each person. But yeah, all those people were very very helpful. Uh, I know there's some stuff you can't talk about here, but tell me how it came together with you working for Fightful. How did how did you sure. get the job? How did the process go? Like, take me to that moment when you you first found out there was interest to getting hired to where we are today. So I had been working at Wrestling Inc. and uh, the podcast really took off. That's something that I often wonder. I'm like, well. What happens if I would have gotten into wrestling media in my early 20s and not wasted all that time? I think that the best case scenario for me was to wait until I matured. And it's crazy to say that I matured at that point because I'm still incredibly immature. But I gained my full-time work in a podcast era, in a video podcast era. And that was crucial to my success. Um, My follower count would probably be at... 60% of what it's at if I didn't do a podcast, if even that. So I had 
worked in all these different avenues. I had coached, I had wrestled, I had done MMA training, I had done all this stuff. And I know that Jimmy Van was looking for a person that had all of that. And I know that he talked to a couple people before, but it was kind of just a cold email. Hey, would you be interested in doing any freelancing? And I messaged him back and I said, well, I mean, I already worked for the, the largest wrestling website in the world at the time, uh, wrestling news website in the world at the time. So I wouldn't be interested in doing any freelance work, but I'm always looking for to advance myself full time. And we talked and he told me he wanted to do MMA, pro wrestling and boxing. And I'm still very much learning about boxing, but you know, I had trained in it a, a bit and he laid it out and I was like, this is exactly the situation that I've always wanted. I, cause people would ask me if I wanted to start a website and I said, no, but if somebody else wanted to come along with a similar vision, help me along, have the resources to do so and have a good mind about it, I would jump at that opportunity. And that was the opportunity that I wanted. Like that was my dream scenario. And before that there were talks of maybe a wrestling Inc MMA offshoot, which I was excited about. I wanted that because I wanted that to be my full-time thing. But this came along and I had several offers. I had already decided that I was going to shot myself at that point because I was the sponsorship money that I was bringing into wrestling Inc paid for me basically because I get to keep a percentage, but it paid for my own pay. But I knew that I wanted to, to move somewhere else full time. And I had a few suitors, but, and I actually had one that, that offered me more than Fightful, and I was like, "No, Fightful's what I want to do. This is this is the guy. This is the place." Yeah, no, that, that's great to hear. And sometimes it is just a feeling. I've had situations where I, you know, I was offered something, and I remember at the time thinking, "I, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right." And then of course something else. I actually, I, I won't tell you the website, but but I, I had an offer. You know, this is I think a year and a bit ago, and I something wasn't right about it, and it just didn't end up working out. And then Flow came along, and I ended up getting on with them. And it just sort of worked out there. So sometimes you got to go with your gut. I always sort of live by the uh, the motto, never chase uh, when it comes to business where it's, you know, just you, you don't chase after something. You know, if, if you're if you ha if you like something, it's got to be the right situation for you to actually go towards it. So don't don't chase after it. Let it come to you type thing, you know. So I think that's always a, a good a good mentality. Now, being a managing editor, I know this is something that's, uh, you know, uh, not something you, you did previously. Um, yeah. Do you do you what, what are some of the challenges with that? How is that going? Uh, as far as going from, you know, being sort of the, the writing guy to to now managing people as well? Uh, time more than anything. There aren't enough hours in the day. I'm, I work every single day. I think since I started Fightful, I've had, I think, six or seven days off in about a year and a half. And that's just a sacrifice you have to make, and I'm happy to make it. I love it. I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. I mean, even my vacations are work vacations. I come to Toronto and I work. I went to Orlando and I did. I covered NXT tapings and did a podcast. But um, time is the main one because you only have so much time. Like there was a day yesterday I worked from the time I woke up until the time I slept. And I think I personally only wrote and published maybe one or two articles because there were videos that needed done. Uh, I watched your interviews. I uh, had to edit podcasts. I had to do a podcast. I had to edit all the stuff that's on the back end of the website because we have a scheduler that's up there. That's something I didn't have the luxury of having at my last website. But uh, so there's dozens and dozens of articles that are releasing and exclusives that we have that I have to look at. I have to make sure this item's checked, that item's checked. I got to check on our SEO efforts. I have to make sure that everything on, on that, that end is good. Uh, I've started to film daily news updates. Like there's a lot that goes into it. I got to make sure our social media is 
going well. You have to check on everything and you have to check on it constantly. Yeah, you can become sort of obsessed with it, but in a good way. I mean, you have to sort of, you know, check every little thing that that's happening because at the end of the day, uh, you you want to be a perfectionist. You know, you want you want to take pride in what it is you do and, and everything else. So I can uh, definitely appreciate that. Um, what would you say is one of the questions you normally get uh, from people? I'm sure I'm, I'd, I'd be willing to guess because I get them too all the time. But do you you know what what are some questions like if people are DMing you or emailing you or wanting advice? What what are some of the questions you seem to get a lot? How they get started in this? Yeah. Okay. How they get started in this, and do you get paid? <laughs> that's, yes, uh, yeah, that's, that's the pay thing. Yeah, that's the main one. Yes, I do, and it's going to be the same answer for everybody else. Uh, either offer yourself up to do free work, or um, go to school, or uh, just beat down doors. Man, nobody's coming to get you. Nobody yeah. is coming to get you and track you down. Like. I was very lucky that in, in a sense, Jimmy Van did, but I mean, it wasn't like I hadn't done anything before that, but mm -hmm. he wasn't a follower of my other website. Like somebody had to clue him in on who I was. So, you know, the people, all these people, like they, they message me like I'm supposed to know them and some of them I do and some of them I don't. It's just, there are websites out there that are wildly successful that I've never even heard of in MMA and pro wrestling. Like, I don't even know how they how they stay in the black, but they do and they do very well. But you have to beat down doors there. Everybody's looking for help somewhere. Like if you want to write for us for free, we'll probably run your stuff if it's good. If it's not, then we just won't. I mean, that's that that's it. But yeah, getting into it is always how um, how or the, the question I'm asked. And it's just shop yourself around, even if you're shopping yourself around for free. Uh, what about, uh, what are some things that you see on, on a regular basis, whether it's social media, whether it's what people are doing on other sites, what are some things that you think people are doing wrong that, that you personally would not do? Um, failing to credit sources in wrestling oh, used to be. We could have a whole podcast on that, couldn't we? <laughs> I know it's yeah. even wrestling. I know in MMA it's, it's pretty bad, but, uh, I hear in yeah. wrestling it's even worse. As I said, aggregation is a necessary evil. There are certain things like. If David Tease aggregates a story from the MMA Hour, I like for him to wait at least a day, a day and a half before he does it out of respect to MMA fighting and Ariel Hawani and the people that do that work or Mark Ramondi or all these people that I, that I greatly respect. Uh, but, I mean, there are, there are some things in pro wrestling like uh, – it's, it's like podcasts will send us transcripts and stuff. So that makes that part easy, but – Man, off the top of my head, just like there, there's a lot of things like people will assume that if somebody's not in the wrestling business, like if they haven't worked before, they can't have an opinion on something subjective. I think that's ridiculous. I have worked before and I have trained before. And I took I personally trained and took bumps and learned this stuff because I thought it was the respectful thing to do. Not everybody has that luxury. Not everybody can physically get in there and do that because of ailments, because of time, because of things like that. There are a lot of little little things like that, and you know, eventually this type of stuff and this schedule gets to anybody. But it's just little petty things like that, and I mean, we've we've all been there. What about uh, you know? You mentioned training and and you know uh, being sort of in the trenches uh, with this, uh, which kind of makes you unique because I think if you look at MMA specifically, a lot of the journalists that cover the sport don't train. Do you feel like they need to train? Do you feel like you need to do that in order to be a good journalist? It helps. It also helps yeah. with credibility to a little bit. Now, I don't yeah. get to train as much anymore, 
I was extreme. I've always been extremely fragile. And in 2010, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a real run at this. I'm going to make a, a, an effort. I started in, in the winter and by the beginning of the next winter, my body was like, no, you're not doing it. You're not doing it. Like, that's just how it is. I go in there, I try to wrestle my wrestling coach and I've said, it's like trying to move cement. Like, it's just not, it doesn't happen. It helps. I like to know what I'm seeing. Like when, when somebody holds on to a guillotine choke and their opponent has them inside control, I'm like, why, why aren't you letting go dummy? Like, like one of those, like, you know, what's happening. If somebody holds onto a double wrist lock and they're on the bottom, I'm like, why are you doing that? Because I walked into MMA or MMA class, catch wrestling class. I did those things and I paid the price for it. I learned. I think that stuff is important, but I don't think it's mandatory, but it does help. It definitely helps. You see a guy like Frank Trigg and some of the work that he does. I think he is one of the most underrated journalists across any combat sport. I think he's fantastic in what he does. And um, it's because he has, like, I have a knowledge. He has a vast knowledge. And yeah, it, it really helps. Like yeah, it definitely uh, definitely helps out for sure. Um, I talked earlier about what your first you know uh, article was in in the industry. What about the first interview you ever did? Do you remember that? Yeah, that was the Al Snow one, and okay. um, I'm trying to think of what else it would have been uh, beyond that. I know that. First, what was your first MMA interview then? I think it was <laughs> So Could You. Oh no way! Okay, So Could You, I believe. Uh, maybe like a Sean Asher or somebody like that, or it may have been Daniel Strauss. Like, cause I did, I did, uh, work for Cage Passion Media, which essentially was a promotional site for that absolute action MMA. And as a part of like my agreement to do commentary with them, they're like, we'll give you a piece of this website. You can create content. You can do whatever. We turned it into Cage Passion Sports so I could cover sports there as well. Cause I wanted to dip my toes into everything. I wanted to be versatile. I think versatility is the most important thing. So I think that along that way, I had interviewed several local people, and I know I interviewed Daniel Strauss. I would have to look at the timing on that because that may have been before the So Could You thing, but So Could You was the first one on a national platform. That was for fan-sided. Okay, that's interesting. How did you go about getting that interview back in the day? Do you remember? Josh Sanchez, he gave it to me. He said, hey, do you want to interview So Could You? And I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's that's how okay. it was. It was uh, whatever company that he was fighting for at the time fed it to fan sided. Excellent. Uh, most memorable interview you've done, wrestling or MMA, doesn't matter. Uh, Muhammad Hassan easily because that got me such that was crucial to my career. Like I mean, I I talk about it on like a podcast every single week because it was so important to me. Nobody had talked to him for almost. I think he had done one interview in ten years, and it was to promote a comic book. And I reached out to him to an account on Twitter that had like six followers that I thought might be him. And it was him. And he was like, yeah, I'd be interested to do an interview. And it helped define me as like not just an aggregator, as somebody who could do long form work. But that was a good one. And also Matt Hardy, I interviewed him in character last year. And it was before Broken Matt. It's when he was big money Matt. And he had this terrible internet connection. Because um, his, I've his had house, like, so many of those. <laughs> yes. And his house is legitimately like enormous. So he was at a place in the house where he couldn't get that great of internet, but I spliced it together. It worked really well. Uh, that was one of my more memorable interviews. And I've done a lot of good ones at, at Fightful, but like the ones that we do for the list and your boy DDP, 
he, I, I messaged him and he was one of my first sponsors on a, on a podcast. And I was like, Hey, we should do an interview sometime. And like a month later, after not talking to me, he sends me a text and he's like, Hey monkey, let's do this. I have an hour. And I was like, okay. And he gave me this awesome interview that we actually just released on the site in full today. But that was one of my favorites as well. Is there anyone you haven't interviewed that you want to, that, that you haven't yet? I mean, you've interviewed a oh lot of people. Oh my gosh, a ton of them. Like when I saw Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, him, AJ Styles, anybody who's been in the business for like decades, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Pritchard has just an awesome podcast with Conrad Thompson where they, it's a retro show where they talk about the backstage happenings. I had pitched that idea to Vince Russo when we brought him on, on Fightful and like, May or June of last year, but it never came to fruition, and I don't know that it could have worked anywhere near the level that Con- that Conrad and Bruce made it work. But I would love to have done something like that with Joey Styles because I also reached out to him, or Eric Bischoff, who I also reached out to. But from an MMA landscape, like I had mentioned to you, perhaps a Burt Watson, somebody who had been there every single show and knew all these backstage happenings, like a retro type of just weekly show where I'm like, how did this happen? Why did this person pull out? What was the controversy behind this? Because we don't see a lot of that in MMA. Retro content in MMA is what I'm most interested in uh, right now. Yeah, I, those are my favorite interviews. I remember, I think last year I interviewed Rich Clemente. Like, just, I remember watching him on The Ultimate yeah. Fighter. I remember him beating Melvin Gillard. Uh, and Gillard, Doing uh, the suck it to Melvin yeah, Gillard. I remember that, yeah. And uh, to, to talk to him now, and then, you know, he added me to Facebook after and, and all that. And, uh, you know, I sort of just kind of kept in touch with him. And th- that was kind of cool for me. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of his, but, I mean, I saw his fight at UFC 83 when they had the first event in Canada. So, I mean, it's neat to kind of, uh, I'm like you. I like those sort of, uh, you know, nostalgic uh, memory. I mean, nostalgic is selling these days right that's sort of the thing yes so it's, uh, yes you know, that's that's a very like i saw something that fight network sent me about brendan schaub and it was yeah. him talking about the crow cop interview and the thing about mma is well in, in wrestling too but in mma like brendan schaub may have not has been willing to open up right after that fight or during mm-hmm. his career but now he's i don't want to say he's detached from the fight game he has a successful podcast he's worked for i think bellator a little bit and showtime mm-hmm. But he was so willing to open up to the point to where he said he, he said that he got Krokop's check on ac- accident. Like that's the kind of story that you don't necessarily hear right afterwards that I think could be really tapped into and um, just just used as far as MMA. That's something that I had told you before. MMA podcasting happened in reverse of pro wrestling. In pro wrestling, Every fan, every media member was getting a podcast. Then wrestlers jumped on it, and they found great success. In MMA, you had the Ariel Hawanis and the MMA Junkie Radios and places like that that had podcasts, but like not everybody had one. Then you got Daniel Cormier and Michael Bisping and just all these people who have really, really good shows. Now you see everybody getting a podcast. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that all pans out too and how that affects Fightful and, and all that. Interesting. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we've got about five minutes left on this uh, show, so I want to, you know, get a couple more things in here. Um, what would you say is, is sort of been the the proudest moment of your career so far? I know there's still plenty more to come, but is there one thing that sort of stands out to you that uh, you? I mean, you mentioned that interview, but is is, is that sort yeah. of the one that you think? Fightful, just fightful in general. I yeah. love fightful. I love everything that we're doing. Um, I love that we find people who do different types of things, like just being able to create 
something with Jimmy Van that is out of thin air, essentially? Well, he wouldn't say so. He spent a lot of money on the site. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to create something just that can become a news source across MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing, because we have weekly exclusives on all of them. I mean, we're breaking the news on Ronda Rousey doing pro wrestling. You've got interviews every single week. We've got uh, Carlos doing a, a newsletter uh, and being at the Barclays Center all the time. Doing that is definitely my proudest moment. And honestly, that when I took that trip to Toronto, I felt so happy that I had done signed with who I signed with. And I mean, I knew I was in the right place before, but when I saw the morale of the people that worked there, I was like, okay, this is special. This is cool. And so are these people. And that made me very proud. Uh, we've seen a lot of changes in the industry over the years, both in pro wrestling and in MMA. Where do you sort of see the industry heading? We're seeing a lot of focus on video now. I mean, we're doing video right here. It seems that, uh, you know, podcasts are very viable, but I think there is a video element that needs to be added. Where Where's the Sean Ross at vision heading? Uh, where do you think things are going as far as uh, this, you know, the coverage of both MMA and wrestling? Well, hopefully, you know, we I've done like some additional things like the, the daily news updates for for wrestling, and those are working out very well, but. I want to see MMA podcasting take off because it's still very much in its infancy. And I Mm -hmm. think that'll help, but we're open to trying anything. Like we, we will throw stuff at the wall and if it sticks, we will run with it. And if not, it just doesn't work out. But that's, that's a benefit of having somebody like Jimmy Van is that he's like, let's see if this works. Let's see if this works. Let's change this and see how this, this affects things. That's what I want to do. I want to keep, I want to, stick with uh, the successful stuff and then try to find more things that will be successful that we can later stick to. Excellent. Um, we got, yeah, just a couple more minutes here. Um, you know, just sort of talking about, uh, you know, everything that you've done um, as far as like events that you've covered, what's sort of the, the best event you've sort of, uh, you know, that sort of really stands out to you, whether it's uh, wrestling or it probably is wrestling. Cause I don't imagine there's been, uh, you know, any amazing uh, MMA ones uh, that can compare to wrestling. Yeah, uh, definitely not. The NXT events that I covered in Columbus where they were at the Arnold uh, classic, which I do not know why UFC doesn't go back there every single year like at least for a fight night show. Um, WWE is usually very, very picky about who they give stuff to, but they were very generous with me and giving me like Alexa Bliss and Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. And my wife got to work with me at those shows, which made me very happy. And it was kind of cool to be recognized there and her to be recognized there too. That was, that was kind of neat. Like people would be like, Oh, I saw you and your wife covering the show. That was really cool. And it was two days like eight, nine hours of wrestling and tryouts and stuff like that. Like I got so much com- content that I still use today, like photos, um, videos, interviews. Like there, it was so fruitful for me. I wish they would come back because I really like, it was exhausting, but I really, really liked covering those events. Uh, we're going to do a couple of rapid fire questions here as we're wrapping sure. up. Um, outside of uh, MMA and wrestling, do you watch any other sports? I know you're, you're a baseball oh, guy, yeah. Cincinnati Reds, right? Yes, baseball, Cincinnati Reds, college basketball, Kentucky Wildcats, college football, Kentucky Wildcats, NFL, Bengals, trying to get an NHL, Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I love soccer. Cincinnati is like being taken over by soccer. I love sports, man. I live for it. Uh, we're, there, there may or may not be a related sports site launching in the near future. And I hope, if so, I hope to do some work for that too. Cause I love it. I love sports. Sports is my life. 
That's awesome. What about movies? Favorite movies? Uh, if you can name any, just off the top oh, of your head. Oh man, you're asking the wrong question because I get trashed for my taste in movies. <laughs> like, because I hate Pulp Fiction and I hate Reservoir Dogs and I hate A Christmas Story and everybody lets me have it over that. On uh, I don't. I don't like Christmas Story either. I'm with you there. Yeah, like I, I it's there's better Christmas overrated. Movies. Yeah, oh, big time. You know what else is overrated? Might get flack for this one. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All the guy did was yeah, take a I day agree. off. You know? That's another one. You want to know my favorite movie of all time? Bloodsport. And I'll tell you why. The action one. in that movie was amazing, but the acting was horrible. So it actually ends up being a bit of a comedy. So you get like a yeah. two for one in that one. It was great. I can name Moneyball, that like every line in that movie. Moneyball might be my favorite. Yeah? I love that. I, 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 I like that one too. That, that's a good one. What about TV shows? Are you Do you do the Netflix thing or do you not have any time for that? Yeah, I, I do have some time for it. Breaking Bad is the goat, in my opinion. I love The Wire. I, okay. I'm a Walking Dead fan. Um, their first season of True Detective was really good, but uh, Breaking Bad is just top of the charts for me. Are you now? Will you go back and watch the episodes? Or are you like once you watch the series, you're done? I've watched it three times. Um, oh wow! And Jeez. I like Better Call Saul That's- too. I like I like that stuff. But Breaking Bad was a special situation because. I had time to watch it three times back then. Like I watched it like as the last two seasons happened, I watched them all leading up to it. Like while I worked and stuff. Awesome. Uh, last question for you here. When are you coming back to Toronto? When are we, when are we going to hang out again? Next week. If Jimmy brings me back, I have had no better vacation in my life than that. And I worked a ton when I was there, but uh, I love Toronto. If I could afford to live there, I would live in Toronto, but um, man, that place rules. Uh, Jimmy had said on a podcast that he didn't know that it would mean so much to me, but I'd wanted to go to Toronto since I was a little kid, since I saw the Blue Jays at the sky, like playing at the Sky Dome, wreck and shop. And I was on a Blue Jays little league team. I felt a little connection to them and I love that city and I love the people in it. It was, it was awesome. And I love this first episode of the podcast, Sean. I can't thank you enough for coming on and being my first guest. I felt it was only proper with, uh, you know, this being on Fightful. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a work in progress. I'm sure a lot of people watching right now uh, are people that are, you know, subscribers to Fightful. And I'm relatively new to the site. But uh, I promise you I'm going to steer this ship in the right direction. And we're, we're going to have a fun little project with this. Um, just, Sean, remind people uh, what we got coming up on the site, maybe some other things, uh, you know, your social media, all that stuff. Just just plug away, man. It's all the floor. Sure, you all can follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. You can uh, go to youtube.com slash Fightful and subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, tons of podcasts, tons of news updates. We are breaking news all the time. We have interviews, photos, videos, uh, newsletters across MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. We have great forums where you can talk about everything from entertainment to sports to wrestling to MMA. A lot of stuff over at Fightful.com. We're always getting like interviews and things like that. But, yeah, follow me at Sean Ross App, and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fightful Online, and we also have Twitter accounts for Fightful MMA and Fightful Wrestle. And I want to let people know, if you don't like wrestling or MMA or boxing, we do have filters uh, individually that can separate those. Yeah, which is very handy if uh, that's what you're into. Uh, if you're not into the wrestling or whatever, I like I like all of it. I'll just check it all out because it's all that good. But uh, your listeners, uh, people watching the show can uh, check this out. Uh, check me out on Twitter, at Lynch on Sports. I've got a bunch of stuff up on Fightful. Did a couple interviews, uh, Bellator interviews this week. So uh, definitely check those out. Bellator coming back with a big card. Um, and that's pretty much it for me. I want to thank everyone for watching. Next week, we'll be back. I'm going to be uh, figuring out uh, who's going to come on this show. Uh, still sort of a work in progress. But uh, I want your feedback. If you guys uh, like stuff about the show, you didn't like stuff hit me up on twitter i'm more than happy to discuss the 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 show and the structure uh because this is still a work in progress but we had a lot of fun today sean didn't we i loved it i love the idea of it i can't wait to see who else you get 
Perfect. And this is uh, James Lynch signing off, and I want everyone to have a good weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.